Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. This is episode 70. Go tell it on a ziggurat. The sermons of a living God. This is classic. Brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network and available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, QuestGamingNetwork.com. Today's record date is the 24th of Second Seed, and I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler... Evarwin! Throw out a little wave there for you guys. And we are in Elder Scrolls Online. What? This is classic! You're not supposed to be there! Hold your hold the phone there, Timmy Toolman. Uh we're we're in we're in Elder Scrolls Online because because it's Marwind, it's Vardenfell, and we're ending our uh our our series, our arc on Marwind lore, and what what better game to play than early access in Vardenfell? And boy, oh boy, we can't wait until we show you some awesome stuff here in Vardenfell. I think you're going to be excited. We've got a great show for you tonight, but first, I want to introduce my wonderful classic hosts, starting with the one, the only, the Tamrielic historian. Necessity is the mother of invention, and Mike is a scientist. I have no idea where I'm going with this, Mike. This is what happens when we let you write the introduction. <laughs> hey, I write them all the time. That's not nice. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good. I've been having doing, some fun Mike? with this new uh, version of Morrowind. It doesn't crash every five seconds. Yeah. Hey, now. I like, I like that. Wait a second. Is that Zephin? Maybe. Maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for congratulations. For Zephin. Zephin, congratulations. He is our one of our new hosts here for, for Classic. He joins oh, thank uh, you. He he joins Mark as as one of our, our hosts for Classic. Who unfortunately, um Mark uh, obviously he's he's not well I don't know if that's obvious, but he isn't here today. And um he's not gonna be here probably for the next couple of weeks. Um, which may be obvious uh, for some folks who are who have been listening to both uh, Classic and Elder Scrolls off the record. Um, but when Mark comes back, our Zephin won't be going. No, sir. Zephin, you're in. You're in with us. We're not, Yay. we're not, we're not letting you leave. I was invited I mean. to the party. And, <laughs> no party. We're just, you're just not allowed to leave us. Like you're a part of the bro club. Oh. You're on classic. <laughs> <laughs> now suddenly uh, it has changed from a party to a chain gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a chain gang. That's really basically what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh he's not a warden but he plays one in Vardenfell. Zephin, the strongest man in Tamriel. <laughs> yes, it's true. I do have a digital 18 ot ot strength. <laughs> uh wrong night. Uh, oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't show my strength in this game. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, we've got a uh, we've got a great show 
lined up for you today. Um, of course, we uh, we want to talk about um, our sponsors. We want to uh, let you know where you can connect with us. Uh, first things first, we want to thank our our awesome uh, Patreon supporters who who literally have uh, kept the lights on for for QGN. Um, so, so thank you for uh, quite in a very, very literal sense. That is, that is the case um, because of our, our awesome Patreon supporters. We've been able to uh, sponsor a number of upgrades for, for different things. So a uh, huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, and of course our, uh, our iTunes five-star reviewers, uh, which we'll get into on Elder Scrolls off the record. That's really not a classic thing. Uh, but we want to say thank you to uh, to those guys out there who who came out for for an additional five star review in light of a uh, nasty little one star that that was out there for a little while. But anyway, um, Mar- uh, Mark, <laughs> God, <Arr>! Zephin. <laughs> it's not okay, even okay. I understand Mark and Mike. But it says Mark on the notes. Not a and He'll read anything on those notes. F you, San Diego. <laughs> 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 Um, <laughs> Zephin, please, please take the mic away from yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can uh, watch us live on uh, at youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork slash live. You can also email us at uh, Elder Scrolls off the record at gmail.com. You can also find us at questgamingnetwork.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR and on Facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork. Back to you, Ron. I mean, of our one. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So <laughs> uh, we're going to be playing Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind, uh, showing you some of the lore and, and whatnot around here. Uh, we will be presenting to you in the history of Vivek and his Spear Chuck and 36 Lessons. My goodness. There's a lot there with his spear or yeah, javelin. This might not be uh, child-friendly tonight because uh, ah. these are... Kind of strange uh, lessons of Vivek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vivek, how you slay us or spear us or whatever. Stop talking about his spear. God. It's not what you think. <laughs> <laughs> in our discussion topic later on in the show, we are wondering, is 700 years too long for the Marwind we play in currently? Uh, we've got a fast question, a crafting table, which is super exciting. We've got a, a, a new... Uh, an add-on we'd like to talk about for for Elder Scrolls Online, plus this week in Tamriella Holidays, and your emails. But first, put your paws together for the, the 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 five and a half most interesting seconds of your entire existence. The one, the only, two moons horoscope presented to you by my friend Jazzledar. Thank you. This one noticed everyone seems to have a bear pet right now. I think all of Tamriel has gone crazy. Who in their right mind would bring a bear into a tavern? Oh, wait, wait. A Nordwood. <laughs> but anyone else? No. No. This is very strange. This one has finished up his vacation in Oradon. Just in time. It seems a shipment of bears have arrived there too. And now I am off to cross Valenwood to go to my new home in Dun. Now, if you will bear with me, whilst this one drinks his lunar lotus tea, we shall see what the moon sugar crystals reveal. E and three, and a bowl lined the bottom of my cup. 
the ball represents the time of summer. But the E and the three, hmm. They could also be a mountain of fire and water below, should this one turn his cup. This one thinks that more moon sugar is needed. Hold the tea this time. So, my friend, till we meet again, may warm sands be in your future. That was awesome. <laughs> I love that. Beautiful. That was so great. That was so great. Oh, man. All right. Um, <laughs> good job, Mike. Uh, what's going on in the, this week in Tamriel? What sort of holidays have we uh, so, encountered? Second Seed the 20th is the Fire Festival. In Northmore, it is one of the most attended celebrations of High Rock. It began as a pompous display of magic and military strength in ancient days and has become quite a festival. On the second seed, the 30th, one of my favorite holidays, Fishing Day. It's a big celebration for the Bretons who live off the bounty of the Iliac Bay. They are not usually a flamboyant people, but on Fishing Bay Day, they make such a noise the fish have been scared away for weeks. So maybe we'll have to have a fishing tournament or something on the 30th. Yeah, that might be fun. I don't even know. Might be a good thing. Uh, We've got a... um, Before we we, we jump into the show, um, we've got a couple of things that we'd quickly like to mention. Um, The first of which that I'd like to throw out there is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you are looking forward to QGNCon, tickets are now on on sale at questgamingnetwork.com. When you go to the website, uh, you can click on... Uh, on the top uh, bar there, there's a uh, there's a link for uh, buy QGNCon tickets. You can click on that, or um, I've got a little fly-in window that that comes in from like the left-hand side of the uh, the of the uh, the monitor. You can click on that too, and you can uh, you can get your QGNCon tickets. They are now on sale, uh, so so you can join us, the the members of Quest Gaming Network, this October. In Manhattan on West 74th Street in Midtown Manhattan for live broadcasts of Elder Scrolls Off the Record and uh, KD Radio, as well as interactive gaming sessions like Magic the Gathering Tournament, where we'll be uh, handing out uh, free uh, free swag for for tournament winners. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, hosted by uh, Mark, the the scenarist and, and producer of QG D&D. He'll be doing that as well. Uh, we're also doing a guild run in Elder Scrolls Online. So hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to, to, to bring in people playing in ESO together with folks who happen to be together at uh, QGN Con. Uh, also, when you buy a ticket and you come to QGN Con, we're going to give you some free QGN swag that only QGN Con... Uh, attendees will be able to get and uh, you'll have time you know hanging out with us I've, I've been asked you know is that something that that uh, QGN con goers are going to be able to get are we going to be able to hang out with the hosts and talk to them and absolutely of course so that's that's a that's a big thing um, that we've been hearing about and yes of course you're going to be able to, to hang out and talk with us too so QGN con tickets are now on sale at questgamingnetwork.com folks so uh, if you're if you're planning on going now's the time uh, to, to head on over and, and purchase your ticket today. Um, also, uh, the QGN store, QGN shop is open as well. Uh, there's a link to it on questgamingnetwork.com by, you know, lots of cool apparel. Um, we're going to be updating the store very soon. And uh, the BE3 2017 pre-show and show here at QGN 
is something that we're going to be doing um, starting Sunday, June 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be chatting about 30 minutes before um, the Bethesda E3 showcase starts. We're going to be watching it with you, and uh, we'll be chatting along as as the as the showcase goes on and on Sunday night, June 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern. Okay. So there's that. All right, folks. Um, starting with Zephan. What have you guys been doing yeah. in game? Well, you know, unfortunately, I had some uh, family issues going on um, for a little while, and, yeah. and so I didn't get a lot of gameplay time in. Um, however, I did get some. So I, I played some Morrowind, and I'm getting a little bit further in the main quest line. Um, bringing all the houses together, or in other words, making them all recognize that I'm the Nerevine. Oh. So it's coming along swimmingly. i got uh, some of the, the tribesmen who who have sided with me and House Rhetoran as well. Um, so that's, that's coming along really, really nice. And uh, also... You know, I also started playing Morrowind for the early release. So I made a Magicka Warden and a Stamina Warden. So I'm starting to level those guys up and enjoying playing through Vardenfell. Uh, just doing a lot of exploring right now. Haven't gotten too far into the quest line yet. Um, but I'm very excited to, to get rolling on that. Okay. Very good. Um, what about you? Bop um, bop. I almost said Mark again. Can you believe that? <laughs> Mark, we miss you. <laughs> I miss you, Mark. Um, Mike, what about you? What have you been doing in Elder Scrolls? Uh, so before the update came, one of the things I wanted to do was try and get my some of my characters up to level 50. And Namira's little snack, my Argonian Dragon Knight, who is a day two character who was uh, made for the Naked Argonian run that QGN did, uh, has finally reached level 50. Yay! Hey. He's probably my least played character of all of them. <laughs> well, so, congratulations uh, to Namira's little snack. Yeah. So now I think he's a big snack, but, you know, <laughs> not going to pay for a name change on him. <laughs> uh, yeah, doing some dungeons, uh, you know, hanging out in guild with everyone, just, you know, helping where I could with people need stuff. Mm -hmm. Um and then just started exploring Morrowind uh, here. Uh, I played Battlegrounds yesterday, and uh, while I, my, the team I was on lost the match, we came in second, uh, I actually did pretty damn good. I was you know, fairly high up on the scoring board, uh, mainly because a lot of people, they go in there to PvP and forget that there's mechanics in the Battlegrounds. And we were playing Domination, which is... One of the, you know, turn wow. the, the flag color. And yeah. unless they were there fighting, the, the flag wasn't getting turned. So I ran around while everybody was fighting in the middle, and I turned all the flags to my team's color and just kept making circles around to make sure that they were always <laughs> my team's color. Yeah. And, <laughs> and in all fairness, it's always been twice. like that in Battlegrounds. In uh, yeah. any game that I've ever played, it's people who just get too stuck into, we just want to kill each other. We don't want to pay attention to what's actually supposed to happen. Right. So I guess if you're not really into PvP and you want to try Battlegrounds, maybe you'll get lucky like I did and get some Dominator matches <laughs> and just do the mechanics and <laughs> score really high. And win, win, win. Oh, congratulations, Mike. <clears throat> how did um, how'd you like it? I mean, was it was it fun for you? 
Oh yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I think that's uh, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't dead all the time, which was my big fear going in because I PvP in Cyrodiil with siege engines, and I go to where siege is either taking place or you know defending someplace under siege, and you know spend time laying down siege and doing repairs. I don't spend a lot of time out there, you know, one v one or one v fifty, trying to kill everybody off, and uh, so you know battlegrounds, you're going to have to do that kind of you know. 1v4, 1v1 type of thing, and I was, I was kind of nervous, but it actually was pretty fun. Hmm. I, I died a couple times, but my kill-to-death ratio was, say, 2 to 1, you know, 2 deaths to every kill I made. Uh, but I was scoring high because I did what the Battlegrounds was meant to do, you know. Go and do the mechanics, capture the flags. <laughs> oh, good. So. Alright, um... Yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to when it comes to Elder Scrolls, um, lately I've been playing a lot of Skyrim, and um, I uh, like I was talking about with my my last uh, last episode of Elder Scrolls Off the Record, I was playing a new version of a, of a Varwin, which um, I've I've been continuing with him. Um, I'm trying to get myself into Blackreach, and uh, so I, I traveled, you know, into the north and um, found a little uh, found a little area there. I can I can dive into and, and I'm, so I'm going through a very large cavern right now but I, I kind of I haven't jumped into it and it's been a few days um, and I, I kind of want to just do that on on a stream um, I had started it on on a stream and I want to continue doing that so um, I haven't really played uh, Skyrim in, in a couple of days but um, one of the things that I'm trying to do right now, the reason why I'm heading into Blackreach is because I'm trying to collect um, uh, as much uh, Dwarven scrap metal as I possibly can. Uh, this way I can level up my, my blacksmithing and uh, make my way closer and closer to uh, smithing skill. I think it's uh, 50. So I can uh, improve magical armor and, and weapons. Once I get up to smithing 50... Um, which I think is what you need in order to unlock that skill. Um, then I'm going to be going after uh, Dawnbreaker. So I'm looking forward to doing that for sure. Are you going to do the trick this time with Dawnbreaker? No. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I had people in chat one night asking because they were trying to sneak in and steal Dawnbreaker. It's like, no, you shoot it with a bow and arrow from the hallway so it knocks it off the platform then kill everybody then go and pick it up and then there'll be the one reset in the thing so you'll have double dawnbreaker yeah i just have no need for two dawnbreakers you know i'm not doing dual i mean i suppose you don't dual wheel do you yeah, no. you uh sword and board so I said, yeah. yeah i guess it doesn't matter no. lydia needs one lydia oh, can lydia can just just stay where she's at I was going to say, why, why are you taking Lydia with you? <laughs> I always take Lydia with me. I need a tank. <laughs> I don't need a tank. I'm the tank. <laughs> I don't need a tank. I don't need her. I can stay where she's at. Um, she gets in the way. Yeah, she does. She does. As much as I love Lydia, I love her heart, not her AI. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we're going to be jumping into... The history of the 36 lessons of Vivek. Uh, I mean, are we gonna hang out on the dock here all day, or, or do we have? Nah, uh... I'm waiting for you to move. Me? Waiting for me to move? Yeah. Oh shoot. Okay. All right. Well then, let's go. Unless you just want to follow Crown, at which point in time I'll move. 
Well, I mean, you're... older. Let's uh. Here we go. Let's go into the census and excise office. Um. I'm trying to find it. There is a lore book. It's right here. Where is it? Right here. Where's right here? In the room you were just in. Oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> you know what? Before before pick it up, Darwin. Um... <laughs> What's that? Pick up the book. Come in the room. I'm coming in the room. Here I am. Hello. Yay. Where, all right. So where's this book? Right over here? Right here on, on the, the table. table. Okay. All right. 36 Lessons, Sermon 1. Gotcha. Okay. Do you want me to ha- keep this up on the... If you'd like. Okay. Uh, yeah. We can, you can keep it up for a little while and then move on. But uh, they've added the lessons uh, of Vivek to uh, ESO Morwen. So I'm really excited about this. And uh, we're like, okay, what can we do, you know, that ties in our Morrowind uh, playthrough for the last couple months? And I'm like, oh, we should do the 36 lessons. Now, I am not going to read all of the 36 lessons, uh, but I picked out a couple of them, and uh, we'll discuss a couple things in between. So, Sermon 1. He was born in the ash among the Valethi, Anan Chimur, before the war with the northern men. Aim came first to the village of the Nechmin, and her shadow was that of Boethia, who was the prince of plots, and things unknown and known would fold themselves around her until they were like stars or the messages of stars. Aim took a Nechmin's wife and said, I am the face snake queen of the three in one. In you is an image and a seven-syllable spell. Aim, I, Seti, I, Vek which you will repeat until to it until mystery comes. Then Aim threw the Nechman's wife into the ocean water, where the Drew took her into castles of glass and coral. They gifted the Nechman's wife with gills and milk fingers, changing her sex so that she might give birth to the image as an egg. There she stayed for seven or eight months. Then Set came to the Nechman's wife and said, I am the clockwork king of the three in one. In you is an egg of my brother's sister, who possesses invisible knowledge of words and swords, which you shall nurture until the horator comes. Then Set and Set then extended his hands, and the multitude of homunculi came forth, each like a glimmering rope through the water, and they raised the Nechman's wife back to the surface world, and set her down on the shoals of Azura's coast. There she lay for seven or eight more months, caring for the egg knowledge by whispering to it the code of Mafala and the prophecies of Valeth and even the forbidden teachings of Trinamac. Seven Daedra came to her one night, and each one gave to the egg new motions that could be achieved by certain movements of the bones. These are called the barons of move like this. Then an eighth Daedroth came, and he was a demi-prince called Nanutihen, or the multiplier of motions known. And Fa-Nutihen said, Whom do you wait for? To which the Nechman's wife said, The Horator. Go to the land of the Inderil in three months' time, for that is when war comes. I return now to the haunt, the warriors who fell, and still wonder why. But first I show you this. Then the barons and the demi-prince joined together into a pillar of fighting styles 
terrible to behold, and they dance before the egg and its learning image. Look, little Vec, and find the face before the splendor of my blade challenge, for it is, for in it is delivered the unmixed conflict path, perfect in every way. What is its number? It is said the number is the number of birds that can nest in an ancient tribal tree. Less three grams of honest work. But Vivek, in his later years, found a better one, and so gave the secret to his people. For I have crushed a world with my left hand, he will say, but in my right hand is how I could have won against me. Love is under my will only. The ending of the words, Am Sivi. Well, that was a uh, long mess of crap I can't understand. Aww. <laughs> Aww. There's something, there's there's some good information to pull out of there. Like, uh, for instance, Vivek is both a male and female. Yes. So, du- uh, duality in his nature. He's the poet and the warrior. Things that usually don't go together. The fact that uh, there's going to be multiple dealings with different Daedra throughout the, re- the reign of uh, the three living gods. Alright. So, okay. Interesting text to uh, to be sure. <clears throat> um, not sure if any of that is, is understandable. Um, wh- what can... Mike, what can you do to sort of help us uh, wrap our minds around either either that or or some of the other um, some of the other information that you might have here? So one thing is is that these entire texts, part of them tells a story, and sometimes it's hard because they don't use the names that we're used to. So um, they don't use Vivek; they use V E H K uh, to represent Vivek in the books. Right, Vivek. Uh, Sothasil is represented as, uh, where is it here? As set S E H T, and uh, Almalexia is represented by Yem, A Y E M. And so that's the first thing to realize when you read all of these books is that the three living gods are not represented by the names that we're used to seeing. So that some people might not notice right off the bat either that the horator is also the narrow green. Yes. Uh, so that that oftentimes ends up as a challenge for people that start to read these books is that you're you're reading them expecting it to be a story about Vivek and a story about Amalexia and a story about Sothasil and the Nerevarine, and they don't use those terms. Well, what indications do we have that it? I mean, are we just, I mean, this is, you know, Sermon 1. I mean, is this, um, it seems like in Sermon 1, you would want to either make those those comparisons or, or let people know, like, by the way, when I say Horator, I mean the Neverine, which is the hero. Well, I mean, the difference between Horator and Neverine is the Neverine, that name comes from the tribal people of Vardenfell, whereas a Horator is is named that from the houses Um uh, from the from the great houses that we know of, so I mean, you know, look, when you look at like the sermons, um, you, you're talking about the great houses. You're not talking about the tribesmen that are writing these. You know, okay. So it, there's yeah, there's no way to actually know that until you've picked up other other books and and read them too. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. All right. 
Okay, but but there it is. You know, this is the reason why we do classics, so so we can we can talk about this stuff and explain it. Um, okay. And you know, so they've talked about a couple of the other Daedra that you know we have talked about before. Uh, so, Amalexia comes to the village of the Nechman, and her shadow was that of Boethia. And we know from other readings uh, and the episode that we did on the three living gods that. Uh, Boethia is the antis- or Amalexia is the anticipation of Boethia, or Boethia is the anticipation of Amalexia. And so that the three actually represent three other Daedra uh, throughout the, the series. And uh, after the fall of the Red Year, that the people of Morrowind go back to revering those three Daedra instead of Amalexia, Sothasil, and Vivek. So... Um, and okay. we see also that in at least these books here that Almalexia and Sothasil are actually older than Vivek uh, that they come to his mother who is the Nechman's wife uh, and talk to him as he's the, in this egg form and so like many other things like when you have like worlds that are pre-built and ha- have um, a really good background to them you have the, these mysteries that aren't really talked about, like what is a Nechman? What is you know what is a Nech? So these are things that you actually they get to flesh out, and we get to see further on as uh, the story progresses. What is a, a Drew? We finally get to see them, you know, uh, and, and a culture that they have that uh, they don't live. You know, the, the form that we get to see them on the surface is, is an encased form, the bug-like form, is not who they are most of their lifespan. Uh, so they actually live underwater, and I guess in crystal palaces. <laughs> and, and coral. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go, sir. Uh, so, you know, for our viewers, uh, we just came out of um, the town of... Um, Sedanine. Sedanine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if, how much of Arwen was looking around, but there's there's... This is probably the only town that I actually have like a big problem with in terms of the game. Um, it's an imperial town in uh, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind because the Imperials have set up shop pretty much. And I was talking with a, a couple guild members. There are literally structures in this town that are pixel for pixel what we see in Elder Scrolls 3 700 years ago, like the lighthouse tower, well, like let me, the shop that we started. Let me stop you there. Out. Hold on, Mike. Uh, because <clears throat> the thing is, is that um, if that's not, if this isn't connected really to your next reading, I want to hold off on that because ah, okay. I want to talk about that later on in the show. Well, I just wanted to, you know, as we're moving from place to place, I don't want to spend all day in one little town. All right, we'll come back. So I just wanted to give viewers an idea of where we were. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we'll head up the road here, I think, to the north. So then we're going to skip a number of sermons because uh, many of the sermons that uh, they have talk about the trials and tribulations of the Nichman's wife before she gives birth. Uh, The Dwemer get a hold of her. Uh, She escapes the Dwemer. She moves back in with the Chimmer. there's visitations with a number of different uh, Daedra throughout the sermons that come up. 
And then finally we get to meet uh, the Horator and the Nerevarine in Sermon 8. So in Sermon 8, and presently Nerevar and Vivek were within sight of the capital and the four corners of the House of Troubles. And remember the four House of Troubles are the four evil Daedra. Ah, the four corners of the House of Troubles knew that it was not time to contest it. The caravan musicians made a great song of entrance, and the eleven gates of the morning hold were thrown wide. Aim was accompanied by her husband, State, a flickering image that was channeled to her ever-changing female need. Around her were the shouts, a guild now forgotten, who carried with them the whims of the people, for the Valethi were still mostly good at heart. The shouts were the counselors of Aim and the country, though they sometimes quarreled and needed set to bring them into usefulness. Aim approached Nerevar, who was by now adorned in the flags of the house. He gifted her with the sacrilim of the Nechman's wife and the egg of Avec inside. Aim said to Nerevar, Set, who is Azura, has revealed that war is come and that the Horator shall deliver us will approach with a solution walking at his side. Nerevar said, I have traveled out of my way to warn you of the deceit of our enemies, the Dwemer. I have learned much in the journey and have changed my mind. The Nechman's wife you see at my side is a sword and a symbol, and there is a prophecy inside. It tells me that, like it, we must for a while be like he is and as a people cloaked in our former enemies, and to use their machines without shame. At which Vivek spoke aloud, Boethia, who is you, wore the skin of Trinimac to cleanse the faults of the Veleth, my queen, and so it should be again. This is the walking way of the glorious. Set appeared out of the clouds of iron vapor, and his minions made of their blood a chair. He sat besides Aim, and worked, looked at the rebirth of mastery. Vivek said to them, his triune, by rituals and ordeals and all the rhythms within, use no other motive than the revelation of my skin. Aim said, Aim a seti a We are delivered and made whole. The diamond of the black hand is uncovered. Set said, Wherever so he treads, there is visible scripture, to which the shouts were silent in sudden reading. Vivek then reached out from the egg all of his limbs and features, merging with the sacralim of his mother, gilded and blended in all the arts of the star-wounded east, underwater and in fire and in metal and in ash, six times the wise, and he became the union of male and female, the magic Heraphrodite the martial axiom, the sex death of language and unique in all of the middle world. He said, let us now guide the hands of the Horator in war and its aftermath, for we go different and in thunder. This is our destiny. The ending of the word is Aum So, in episode, or in Sermon 8 here, we get to see that uh, you know, the first meeting of the the tribunal and 
we get to to see the birth of Vivek. <clears throat> okay. I I I <laughs> literally have nothing to say. <laughs> okay. I was going to give you guys a chance to say something if you want it. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm glad you did. Um, but the thing is, is that this this uh, information is just so uh, out there. I I mean, I have nothing to <laughs> actually give. I I apologize. Um, I mean, Zephan, you're, you're, uh, very, you know, uh, knowledgeable about, about, you know, Morrowind lore and, and whatnot. I mean, any, any comment? Well, you know, I mean, kind of in, in regards to the Nerevar, um, now the Nerevar is not necessarily, you know, what, what they're talking about in, in here is not the character that you're playing in Elder Scrolls three. The Nerevar was there, you know, essentially died and then was reborn and then that's that's the reborn character is the character that you play um but the the whole idea of their Nerevar is you protecting the land of Vardenfell and uh removing or eliminating all foreigners um but you know a lot of this is is talking about the um you know Vivek and the coming of Vivek and and the role that uh was played during that time one thing I find really interesting, if you read through multiple different books about uh, Elder Scrolls Three, that in some books the the Nerevar uh, is the leader of the people and is married to Amalexia before she becomes Amalexia the the goddess. Uh, so you know it's interesting that when you read that sermon that the Nerevar is a, a merchant's caravan guard who shows up to Mornhold and he has the simulacrum of uh, Vivek's mother and he meets Amalexia and her husband who they refer to as the country. This is, um, this kind of goes back to the Battle of Red Mountain, right? Where um, the Neverine was betrayed Am I remembering yep. that right? Um, betrayed by who, though? Wasn't Vivek? He, was he was uh, he was betrayed by the people. Okay. Yeah. So he was betrayed by. Um, so he thought that he was friends with the um, the king of the Dwemer. Uh, went to meet with him. Kagernak struck the had the tools. Was going to use everything. Um, he was struck down during the ensuing argument. Um, Kagernak hit the, the heart of Lorcan. The Dwemer people disappeared. The, uh, uh, the, the three then picked up the tools. They were supposed to destroy them. Uh, instead, they used them and became the living gods. Yeah, that's the, that's the, like the super short version condensed. You know, there's facts here and there as to... Yeah when exactly he died, who killed him, uh, you know, was there treachery involved among the three killing him? Was it a slow death? Was it a fast death? Now, um, but, you know, in the 36 lessons, he's not even, like, associated with the three before their gods. 
So it, it's, you know, kind of an interesting thing. All right. Um, we've got, uh, what is it, two more two more of these uh, sermons? You've got, uh, what, sermon 14 and then 33? Yep. All right. Uh, so I've moved a little bit further north from you guys so that that way I could read while you guys, you know, walk around. All right. So um, I'll move, uh, we'll move north. Yeah. So we're, you know, I'm at a place that uh, I think they did a really good job. Uh, 36 Lessons of Vivek, Sermon 14. So now we are moving to some of the second half of the sermon series, which doesn't deal as much with Vivek and the Three as it does with some of the, the, the stranger... You know, if you think that the first books are strange, this gets really weird. So Vivek lay with Molag Ball for eight days and... Eight. Though headless at that time, the prince placed the warrior poet's feet back and filled them with the blood of Daedra. All right, hold on. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. just glad you decided to throw this one in, Mike, out of all the sermons. <laughs> all right. So, so this one is needed because, like, the second half of the book all comes from this one. <laughs> so hold on. I mean, we're 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 on quite uh quite a start on this one. <laughs> Let's just set the oh, it scene. Gets it gets better. Uh, I'm sure it does. I just don't. I just don't want our listeners to to um, how should we put it? Miss this. <laughs> yes, this one's going to take a lot of explanation. All right. So in the, the book that leads up to this, Vivek has decided to walk the Ashlands as a giant, and uh, he's out there as a giant and is attacked by some Daedra, and his feet have been cut off, mm. and he falls to the ground. Mm. And Molag Bal has wooed him to become his mate. It's the best way to put it. Yeah, Vivek uh, looked upon Molag Bal and and thought that Molag Bal was the most beautiful creature he'd ever seen. Yeah. But he says he can only spend a couple of hours with him because he's got important things to do. <laughs> so... Molag Ball says, nope, you got to spend a lot of time with me. So 80 days and eight, though headless, he lops off Vivek's head and sends Vivek's head back to the Horator and <sighs> remains with his feetless, headless body in the Ashlands. All right. So Vivek and, is... And remember, Vivek is both a male and female. So, it, it, you know, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, so uh, we've got a hermaphroditic Vivek who now no longer has a head <laughs> okay. or feet, okay. is banging Molag Ball, and then is drinking something out of the decapitated feet. Yep, so he ah. fills up the feet, puts them back on, and then we're on to the next sentence. Fills up the feet. What? Like Fills, up the, fills them with the blood of Daedra. Uh-huh. In this way, Vivek's giant form remained forever harmless to good earth. The pomegranate banquet brought many spirits back from the dead so that the sons and daughters of the Union had much to eat besides fruit. The Duke of Scamp came while the banquet was still underway, and Molag Ball looked on the seven penance with anger. The King of Rape had become necessary and therefore troubled for the rest of time. His legion and 
who Utha fell into open war with the children of Molag Bal and Vivek with the children of Molag Bal and Vivek were too elaborate in power and form. The Duke of Scamps therefore became a lesser thing, as did all of his own children. Molag Bal said to them, You are the sons of liars, dogs, and wolf-headed women. They have been useless to summon ever since. The Holy One returned last. Vec, golden with wisdom, his head found its body, had been tenderly used. He mentioned this to Molagbal, who took, told him that he should thank the barons of move like this. For I have yet to learn how to refine my rapture. My love is accidentally shaped like a spear. The name of the barons are the barons of move like this? Yes. Sounds like a Khajiit Baron. <laughs> okay. I was going to say Argonian, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so he's come. his head's come back looking for his body. It's been tenderly used thanks to the Barons of Move Like This. Molagbal says that uh, he should thank him because his love has been refined and accidentally shaped like a spear. So Vivek, who had a grain of Aim's mercy, set about to teach Molag Balls the way of belly magic. The fuck? What the shit is this? (laughs) Belly magic? What the hell? (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Told you this. I I really miss Mark about now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. Give me the belly magic. So, he's pretty much told them how to make a baby. They took out their spears and compared them. (laughs) The vet bit new words into the king of rapes, so it might give more than ruin to the uninitiated. This has since become a forbidden ritual, though people still practice it in secret. Here is why. The Valethi and demons and monsters that were watching all took out their own spears. (laughs) <laughs> where there was much biting and the earth became wet. And this was the last laugh of Molag Bal. Watch as the earth shall crack heavy with so much power. That shall then be forever unalike. It's a kind of a weird party. <laughs> That's literally what we call a sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> then that stretch of badlands that had been the site of the marriage fragmented and threw fire. And a race that is no more, but that was terrible at the time to behold, came forth, born of the bitters. That it is all that they did, and they ran among among the lands of Bella, and even to the shores of the Red Mountain. But Vivek made his spear more terrible a thing, from a secret he had bitten off from the king of rape. And so he sent Molagbal tumbling into the crack of the, the biters and swore forever that he would not deem the king beautiful ever again. Vivek wept as he slew all those around him with his terrible new spear, which he called it Muthra, (laughs) which is milk taker, and even the Chimmer mystics knew his fury. Anyone struck by Vivek at this time turned barren and withered into bone shapes. The path of bones became a sentence for the stars to read, and the heavens have never known children since. 
Vivek hunted down the biters one by one and all their progeny and killed them by all means of the nine apertures. And will wise still hold theirs from Mutra? The ending is the word Almsivi. So after the party, he decides to kill everyone at the banquet and banish Molag Ball from this plane. All right. Okay. Mike, I got a couple of, I got a question for you, but first I just want to, I want to ask if you haven't, dear listeners, if you have not already removed your children from this conversation or lowered or put your headphones in or lowered the volume, please do so now. (laughs) Too late. Too late. Um, I'll give you a moment to do that. All right, Mike. Are we talking about a penis wagging party? Is that what this is? Is is just that pretty is, much is exactly is, what they're talking about did, when they whip out their spears? Did he? Did Vivek just literally like take part in a party? Just like a friggin' dong slapping, you know, sticky floor <laughs> party? I mean, remember he's both male and female, so. And that he gave birth to all of this progeny. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. I think the big thing to think about is what came yes, out of the semen filled ground. What came out of that? There's all kind of innuendos in this, but also realize that, you know, these are mystic beings that are supposedly beyond our comprehension. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm getting it. <laughs> Take it for what it is. I mean, uh, did did something like I, I? So so I get like the the um uh, uh, uh the the uh. All right, so uh, <laughs> so these guys are just slinging around some baby batter all over the ground. I mean, did did like any of that like actually like spawn anything? So yes, there were literally hundreds of progeny between Molag Ball and Vivek that were generated, of which there's eight of them that escaped the party. And the rest of the books uh, in the series talk about how Vivek goes about hunting down and destroying each of the eight remaining progeny of this coupling between Vivek and Molag Ball. Okay. And so we're going to look at one more of them, which actually has a huge impact on the story of... uh, uh, Vardenfeld as it progresses from the time that we're in now until the time of Skyrim. Yeah, but who were the progeny of of Vivek and Molag Ball? The strangely named creatures. Um, you know, the, 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 the twin moon um, I can't remember the name of all of them but you know, each of the books has a different one that it talks about. Um, we're going to talk about uh, one of the the eight here called Lyrock. All right, but I mean, so I'm sort of wondering if like maybe um, any of this progeny ended up being like someone that we know of or a race of of people in in Tamriel that that we we know of or, you know, I don't know, everyone on Akravir. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, is that is there any of that going on here? No, so I don't think it's any of them that we encounter. They're like supernatural or um, unimaginable type beings that uh, they. It, it would be like you know some of these giant boss level creatures that we face, or acts of nature. Um, 
that are unexplainable to the, the common people. Right. Okay. They're not meant to be like, you know, you know, Joe Schmo or the Dragonborn or something like that. They're, um, we'll see here what Lyrock is in a second. Um, you know, an understanding, a better understanding of what these, these progeny are. Okay. So now that we have gotten through, uh, uh, Mutra, the, the spear that is used, you know, by Vivek to kill everything. Right. Uh, lesson 33. Then Vivek left the litany hall of the false thinking temple, where he was, where he had brooded for so long, creating the scripture of the pounding light, and went back to the space that was not a space. From the provincial house, he looked into the middle world to find the seventh monster called Lyrock. Lyrock was born of Vivek's second aperture and was thrown out of the pomegranate banquet by a member of the Sweeps, another forgotten guild. The Sweeps did not take it for the monster that it was, and so he did not expect it to fly from his hand and into the heavens. I am born a gold of golden wisdom and power that should have never been unalike. Within this nature, I am invited into the hidden heaven, by which he meant the scaled blanket made of not stars, whose number is 13. Lyrock became full of foolishness, haggling with the void ghosts who hides in the, re in the religion of all men. The Void Ghost said, Stay with me a hundred years, and I shall give you a power that no divinity will dare disobey. And before the hundred years was up, Vivek was already looking for Lyrock and found him. Stupid stone, Vivek said, to hide in the scaled blanket is to make a mark on nothing. This bargain, his bargain, are only for ruling kings. So Vivek sent the Horator to the heavens to shave Lyrock asunder by his named axe. Nerevar made peace with the Southern Pole Star for thieving and the Northern Pole Star for warriors and the Third Pole Star, which existed only in the ether, which was governed by the apprentice of Magnus the Sun. They gave him leave to wander among their charges and give him red sight by which to find Lyrock in the hidden heaven. By chance, the Nerevar met the Void Ghost first, who told him that he was in the wrong place, to which the horator said, Me or you? And the void ghost said both. His sermon does not tell what else was said between these masters. Lyrock, however, used the confusion to launch his own attack on the city god, Vivek. He was hastened by all three of the Black Guardians, who wanted him swiftly gone though they meant no hostility to the lord of the middle air. The citizenry of Vivek screamed as they saw a shooting star come down out of the sky hole like a toll road of hell. But Vivek merely raised his hand and froze Lyrock just above the city, and then he pierced the monster with Muthra. When Nerevar returned, he saw the frozen comet, comet above his lord's city. He asked whether or not Vivek wanted it removed. I would have done so myself if I wanted, silly horator. I shall keep it there, with its last intention intact, 
so that if the love of the people of this city for me ever disappears, so shall the power that holds back their destruction. Nerevar said, Love is under your will only. Vivek smiled and told the orator that he had become a minister of truth. The ending of the words, Am Selvi. Okay, so Lyrock, when we first got in to town or onto the island, we actually saw Lyrock, the Ministry of Truth, the large shooting comet that uh, is sitting above the city of Vivek. Okay. So that is the one, one of the monsters is, you know, uh, some type of uh, being of nature that, you know, has been held in place. So basically that giant rock that's hanging over Vivek City is one of the children between Vivek and Molag Bal. According to the sermons. Right. So now if you, you picked up on what was going on here, where Lyrock was after the banquet, after he had been kicked out, yeah. he went and lived with the Voidga. So he went and lived in space, pretty much. Okay. And Vivek made a deal with the South Pole, the North Pole, and the Third Pole. He made a deal with the constellation of the warrior, the thief, and the mage. And is... it allowed him to wander through the constellations looking for the uh, the Lyrock. I mean, is this actually... Is this actually, like, how... I mean, is this... I hate to say, is this actually true? Because obviously it's it's a video <laughs> game. But, I, I mean, um, you know, there are video games where, like, in, in Dungeons & Dragons, you've got the Book of Nod, which, which is how, you know... Uh, uh, vampires in in the um, uh, the worlds of of uh, the realms of D and D sort of came about, but but no one actually believes the Book of Nod, and it's been among clerics proven to be that it's not true. That's not how how uh, vampires were were created. So the Book of you Nod. You just cut out that. I couldn't hear what you just said. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so so. So what I was trying to say was like, okay, for example, when you, when it comes to lore, all right, in in Dungeons and Dragons, you've got the Book of Nod, which is supposedly how uh, vampires came into the the multiverse of of D and D. Um, but no one actually believes the Book of Nod. The clerics have disproven the Book of Nod in in D and D. Um, is this actually something that that is? Uh, uh, true in in Elder Scrolls, like this, this uh, like will Vivek like read a book like this and be like, yeah, that all, that so all I, happened. <laughs> I think a lot of it has check to out do my manly with girl the mysteries likes. of the three. Um, that you know, a, a large part of this has to do with the difference between the Ashlanders and the House uh, tell, or the House uh, Dark Elves, and what you know is believed that you have this entire religion based up about. Uh, the Alm Sivi, the Amalexia, Sothasil, and Vivek. And, you know, teachings of the, the house and their godhood. And this is one of those ways that they, you know, depending on who you talk to, and we've covered this a lot with the metaphysics in, in classic Elder Scrolls, that each group has their own truth, their own beliefs. And, you know, sometimes these are lessons that are being taught as to, you know, especially with this last sermon, that you have a child of Vivek and Molag Bal that is going to destroy the people of the city of Vivek. 
And the only way to stop it from happening is for people to believe in him and to love him. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> if you if you don't believe in loving me, you will die. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Hard lesson to learn there for your people. Certainly is. All right. Well, well, Mike, I uh, I appreciate uh, the the dive into <clears throat> um, all that. <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, it's very surreal to yeah. read. It's very, yeah. If you don't play the game a lot and you don't, you know, deal with a lot of the background history, sometimes it's very hard to understand what they're even talking about. Or yeah, uh, you know, names that aren't used. The same name isn't used for characters all the time. Um, you know, what is he actually talking about in some of it? And you know, telling a good story, and, and that's I guess the hardest part of the lessons of Avec. I mean, there's 36 of these. We did four of them. Um, so you could just imagine how much more screwed up and crazy it gets if we were to read all 36. Uh, but they have been added to ESO, so many people who've never experienced the craziness of the sermons of Vivek will now actually be able to use it to experience them and read those books. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> I'd hate for anybody to miss him. <laughs> I hate, yeah. I almost hate myself for catching it. <laughs> if Arwen's like, I'm going to have to read through what Mike puts in these notes from now on before <laughs> I let him speak. No more spears. <laughs> no more. <laughs> no more evil Daedra progeny. All right. No, no more. No more Daedra circle jerks, Mike. <laughs> And, and for the record of Arwen, we know it's true because it's written in a book. We're not exactly talking about a wiki page. All right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Did someone Snopes this? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, <clears throat> um, we'd uh, at this time like to uh, really thank... Tweaked All audio. Of our listeners who haven't turned off the show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we like to really, really thank Tweaked Audio for continuing to sponsor us, <laughs> especially through the last awkward moments there. <laughs> um, TweakedAudio.com, guys. Obviously, we uh, we we talk about them on on every show that we do, and there's good reason for it. Um, they've got a fantastic product. Um, <clears throat> swinging swords aside, uh, if you really need some, some great audio to go with your, uh, <clears throat> Daedric meat party, <laughs> you may want to, uh, you may want to throw in some tweaked audio headphones and, uh, maybe, uh, turn your head or uh, turn a blind eye to, to Vivek swinging his sword around, um, with the noise canceling properties that tweaked audio headphones have. Well, you won't hear all the hundreds of times that that him and Molag Ball have copulated. Uh, so, so uh, there is there is that. Um, so yeah, tweaked audio. Seriously though, um, great product. Okay, and for about a twenty five dollar price point over at tweakedaudio.com, you are going to get uh, a far superior uh, piece of uh, headphones delivered to your door free of of uh of shipping charges m might i add uh they also have free free shipping worldwide so no matter where you are uh they will they will ship them to your door for free and uh it comes with a a pretty awesome uh warranty as well if something goes wrong with with your headphones 
Give them a call, talk to them, let them know what happened, and uh, they'll send you another pair for free. Quite uh, very likely, they'll send you another another pair for free. Over at tweakedaudio.com. Now, um, as we're as we're shouting out some sponsors, uh, Mike, we we're kind of talking off air a little bit with, about about Twin Peaks, and um, not that uh, not that uh, Agent Cooper here has has. Uh, sponsored our show but uh audible our our uh book service our audiobook service that that uh, sponsors our show uh does have something in regards to to twin peaks which is a bit a bit of a hot button thing going on right now uh it's sort of becoming popular again via netflix um that you'd like to sort of shout out that you can get on audible right yes yeah, so it's you know surprisingly a show from the 90s is continuing out on Showtime. They've released uh, all the old episodes on Netflix. So what's old is new again. And so I went on to Audible because, you know, I don't like recommending stuff that I haven't listened to. And uh, I found this one here. Uh, Diane, the Twin Peaks tape of Agent Cooper. Written by Lynch and Frost Production and narrated by the main character, Kyle McLaughlin. It's 45 minutes long. It's the original audiobook. And if you like Twin Peaks, the series, and you really want to know what those tapes contain that he keeps sending to Diane, uh, this actually has all of the individual logs for Agent Cooper for the first season of the TV show for Twin Peaks, including the ones you have seen in the show, but also ones that never made it into the show. Uh, And so, you know, to quote, what airlines do to coffee shouldn't happen to a dog. And if you get paid that kind of money for being wrong 60% of the time, that would be working. Uh, some of the ones that I found incredibly funny as I listened through this audiobook uh, of the different aspects of uh, Agent Cooper's logs. So if you're looking for something fun to listen to, maybe over the summer, if you start watching Twin Peaks and you know want more, there's more out there. And Audible has uh, this and a number of other uh, Twin Peaks books. So check them out. Yeah. Uh, of course, this is uh, this is you know you can get these these Twin Peaks books uh, on Audible audibletrialcom slash network. That's the link you're going to need in order to get this for free. Uh, which is, you know, hey, if it's free, it's for me, right? Um, so there you go. Thank you to uh, to Audible and uh, check it out, guys. audibletrialcom slash network. Check out. Diane, Twin Peaks tapes of Agent Cooper. It's a good listen. Yes, but can I get these sermons of Vivek on Audible? Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. <sighs> God, I can't believe. I can't believe so, we. So, dear listeners, if I'm not here next week, it means that Avarwin has decided to kill me for, for reading these sermons of Vivek. <laughs> I just want to know who cleaned up after that party. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm Alexi, and you know, so the Sil did. <laughs> oh God! Oh wow! Well, that is that is some interesting um, <clears throat> stuff. So, all right. Um, so we got our fast question in our our discussion of the week coming coming right on up, and um, Mike, we're back at uh, Sedanine. If uh, okay. you didn't know. So we were in Balfoyan for a while, yeah. which I think, uh, you know, 
many people are very familiar with Belfoyan who played Elder Scrolls uh, 3. And uh, I think from Sadenine, we should probably make our way to Vivek City. Mm. Okay, let's, yeah, let's see. We can see Lyrock, the Ministry of Truth, the uh, progeny of Vivek. Sounds great. Uh, there, there is uh, there is something I kind of want to call attention to as we get into the uh, discussion topic. And um, we'll get into that in a second. But um, I want to uh, I want to ask this question here, our fast question of the week. Um, overall, are you happy with how Marwind is being portrayed, Mike? Overall, yes. Zephan? Yes. Okay. Yeah, same here. Uh, why is that, Mike? Uh, the Other than the city or the township that we're in right now, Everything else has that feeling of Morrowind, but also has that feeling of it's under construction. So, like, there's a lot of towns and villages that aren't here. When we make our, when we were up in Belfoyen, um, there were places that were familiar, but they were different enough, and there was stuff still missing. And when we get to Vivek, we'll see that not all of the cantons are there. Okay. Uh, Zethan, why are you overall happy? Uh, very much on the same, and I'd it, like to point out the land as well. Um, the, the land is familiar enough that you get a great nostalgia effect, but yet there are some differences in some of the, the hills and, and mountainsides and everything to where you can definitely see where you would have a natural change over you know several hundred years. Uh, to where it, it definitely makes sense. The towns, on the other hand, uh, I think are a little too similar. I love the nostalgia effect, but I think are a little too similar. Hmm. Yeah, and and um, I would, <clears throat> I kind of agree on all those points. Um, one of the things that I keep coming back to is is this idea of, gosh, you know, it's been it's seven hundred years from from now in Elder Scrolls Online's Marwind. It's seven hundred years until Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind and you look at the map and and you ask yourself 700 years I mean I know nostalgia needed to be hit but what was what's more important here is nostalgia more important than than you know lore and how how this land likely would have looked 700 years in the past from Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind. Um, and, and you could definitely tell that there's there's some sort of, um, you know, the, the developers had said in some cases, you know, um, maybe in 700 years, certain things would not be here anymore. Or, you know, uh, in this day and age of Elder Scrolls Online, this thing would not be there 700 years later. Um, but it's so iconic. We we want to put it in for nostalgia reasons, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's that's a very very good thing. Um, but one of the things I kind of wanted to point out, and this is what I want our discussion topic to sort of be for a few minutes, is uh, what sort of changes in the land or the towns and cities and society should we realistically expect in 700 years from Elder Scrolls Online to Elder Scrolls Three, and and do we see those changes? Now, for example, we're here in Seda Nain, and this is this is what I wanted to point out earlier is the Imperial Excise Office uh, over here. Um, the, the Imperial Excise Office 
the dock, okay, this whole area here, this is basically lifted right out of Elder Scrolls Three Marwind. You've got you've got the wooden dock, okay. You've got let me get on a horse. The the Imperial Excise Office, and then you've got the basic construction of Sadenane, um, right down to okay a uh, a shop in the uh, the corner over here, and then you move on, and you've got a uh, another another uh, bridge uh, here as well before you head onto the main road. And the uh, lighthouse. I mean, you know, I spent like six weeks, seven weeks painting that lighthouse for the one contest we had. So I know that lighthouse. Yeah, and it's like, wow, you know, um, 700 years of wood structure and stone structure. Yeah. That is exactly the same. Right. And also the... Uh, Oh jeez, I just forgot what these things are called. The the giant tick. <laughs> silt striders. Silt, silt striders. striders. <laughs> um yeah, I mean you've got the silt strider uh port here here as well. I mean let's let's take a look at at I mean when you when you look at our own real history, okay, if you take New York City for what it is right now, seven hundred years ago, do you know what New York City was? Uh a giant forest rock. Yeah. It was a forest 700 years ago. Um, now, if you look at Europe, I mean, you're talking, you know, turn of the last millennia. You know, you're talking, you know, the fall of the, just after the fall of the Roman Empire, you're talking Mouton Valley castles, a lot of wooden structures, some stone structures. You know, the, some of the stone structures still exist, but they're, they're ruins. They're not habitable, you know. Right. Villages, not at all. And, and are you trying to say my house is not going to be here in seven hundred years? Yeah, it may not be here in seven hundred days. <laughs> <laughs> if Vivek gets his way, <laughs> boom, damn. <laughs> so, uh, so there's that. Um, now, now, look, seven hundred years ago. I mean, let's let's look at Western Europe. Okay, um, listen, Spain. Okay, is uh, the Barcelona. There are, there are towns and cities that still existed 700 years ago. Barcelona uh, being being one of them, of course. Um, uh, even small towns, such as... Um, uh. Well, like, I visited York, and uh, yeah. when you go to York, you have the walled city of York, where parts of the wall are still there. Some of the, the houses are still there, but Many things have been replaced with modern um, housing, modern streets, and they've moved on from that general area. But most of you know the artist reconstructions definitely don't show you know, a, a very Toledo. developed stone everywhere type of structure. And I think that's the part that bothers me the most is that they wanted to make this this Sadenine an outpost for. Uh, the Imperial Trading um, Company. And the fact that it's all very much the same structures you see in, in Elder Scrolls 3. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I, the same thing I had with, with Anvil when they came out with Anvil. It's like, put in some way more wooden houses. You know, okay, you have the lighthouse. Okay, that's fine. You know, but then everything else should be like little wooden houses. I mean, or, or should be 
significantly different, I feel, than what you see in the in Elder Scrolls Three. Yeah, uh, and the the other thing I was calling attention to was um, the other thing. I want, the other example I wanted to bring up was uh, the the small town of Toledo uh, in Spain. <clears throat> Toledo was um, where a lot of uh, uh, Spanish steel, specifically uh, construction of, of of swords, had had come from. Toledo was a very important uh, sort of town in during the Crusades. Uh, the Knights Templar were were armed by Spanish steel swords from Toledo. Still there. Was a tiny town then, it's a tiny town now. Um, it's a bit bigger now, sure, uh, but tiny. Um, so, so, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got extreme examples in, in the, the real world from, you know, Manhattan, New York, just not even being in existence 700 years ago to, you know, tiny little town like Toledo in York being there and still there today. So well, I mean, it's one thing about having a town still around, but is the town going to look, you know, have a lot of the same exact buildings right. fully intact? Exactly. And that's, that's trying, that's what I'm trying to hit on here. Um, now there are special cases where you've got this Imperial excise office. Okay. Iconic. Certainly for Satanine and the people that live in Satanine would say, you know, uh, a hurricane comes or storm comes and, and that that thing, you know, falls down. Let's rebuild it exactly the way it used to be. So I can understand that for sure. But I mean, the just take Spain as another great example. The government in Spain has has shifted back and forth in in lots of different ways. Um, politics has has shaped specifically how how spain is is governed in lots of different ways in the last 700 years um don't you think that might happen here in in tamriel as well where you know i'm not saying you know the the roman empire uh existed 700 years ago and now it, it doesn't like that's not the that's not what i'm trying to call attention to what i'm trying to call attention to is um the the wave of of of, uh, of of politics and government, especially in Spain, has has you know uh, ebbed and flowed, and those powers that ebbed and flowed do still exist today, just like they would in with with the Imperials here in in Vivec, uh, rather in in Vardenfell. Um, but it seems as if from here in Elder Scrolls Online, the same Imperial uh, holdings exists 700 years later and now if you yeah go ahead mike if you come to where i am right now um which i see somebody running behind me i see your chevrons coming um this is what i really expected more for satanine to be like so right now uh Zephan and myself are standing in the future site of new ebonheart or what they just called ebonheart in elder scrolls 3 uh, which is another imperial fortress town in Elder Scrolls Three. So you know, this is what I, I really expected to see in Zaynin. You don't have full-fledged iconic housing. You have a lot more, you know, woodwork, uh, open stalls, a couple of small houses that are there. Mm -hmm. And so you know, but they they said they were going for the nostalgia look. 
you know, and it didn't make sense to have Ebenhart here at this point in time. Yeah. But why, you know, say Neen is like, you know, fully fleshed out the way that it looks in rest of the game in Elder Scrolls Three. I guess that's my only real big complaint of the entire thing, uh, because it's the first thing you see in when you you, you play the game in both games. Well, don't get and me wrong. Like, <clears throat> um, I, I I I think now's about the time where I want to I want to tell people that I am. I am not complaining about any of this, nor if I was a, a developer, do anything different, especially in regards to the stuff that I was calling out with Satan and Eve. Um, when you, when you first play Morrowind, Elder Scrolls three Morrowind coming off the boat, hitting the dock and seeing the, the Imperial excise office. It's such a, a, a relived experience over and over and over again uh, for Elder Scrolls fans that it has become iconic. Therefore, if I were developing um, this and, and Satanin, I would say that needs to be there too. Even though, like, the, the you know, being 700 years in the past, you know, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for that to, to be there. Uh, and, and likely, when you think about, you know, um, in real life, what 700 years has meant for, for, for human society and especially Western human society, it probably wouldn't be there. However, yeah. I would still make these exact same design decisions too, because I think, um, specifically with Seda Nain and, and that experience of walking off the boat, just like you did here in uh, Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind, I think it's iconic and people want to see that. So I, I get it. I'm just calling to attention uh, the what I think is kind of on everyone's mind. I mean, and that's really my only complaint for you know all the exploration that I've done. Yeah, you know, like we're standing here where where Ebonheart will eventually be. Fort Moonmatch is a wooden palisade right now, uh, occupied by bandits right by Belmora. So I, I I love the effect that they did there. Belmora is not nearly as big in terms of its marketplace and everything else as Belmora is when you get to Elder Scrolls 3. And my favorite aspect has to be here looking at the the, the different cantons uh, of Vivek City, that you have the temple of, of Vivek, the largest one. You have two other fully fleshed out cantons that are done. And then you can see the, you know, as you look to the north uh, by northwest, you can see that there's the other ones under construction. And there's one that's literally just its foundation is filled out and they've drained the water from where the foundation is going to go. So you can see stages of building over the years, which I think is a really great, you know, a nice touch on the developer's part yeah. uh, to give that, that feeling of that this place is still wild, still not tamed, still not overly civilized, but it's going to get there eventually. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not the Morrowind that people are used to from Elder Scrolls Three. That uh, there's a lot going on here, but it's just that that first opening part there. That it, it's that part of me that says, "Okay, guys, let's stick to the lore, not the you know the the almighty dollar signs that you're going to get from Nostalgia Factor." There's other ways of getting that nostalgia. Yeah. So you're talking about the uh, uh, with, with Satan Nain. Yeah. Because okay. you're going to spend so little time there, comparatively, 
uh-huh. there's so many other really cool aspects of this game that uh, to 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 I, I guess to cheapen it is the best way of putting it in my book. So you by, would have made a saying, different design decision with that. You would have said let's let's not even let's not even do uh, let's not lift Seda Nain from Elder Scrolls Three and put it in in our our expansion. I would have been like you know maybe have one or two structures and then have more of them be like what we just saw where Ebonheart's going to be, where you're going to have, you know, some tents or warehouses or shacks and, you know, show why the power of the empire has grown in that area. Not that this is their foothold that's already established and won't change for 700 years. Yeah. Uh, Stefan, what do you think about all this? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because they did make those changes in a lot of areas and they, you know, even, even in the, um, previous, um, zones and everything like, for instance, like Cyrodiil, you know, you go into Cyrodiil and it's not exactly the same as it was in Oblivion. I mean, not, not even close to in most of the areas. So some of the cities aren't even there. Some of the, um, uh, castles and keeps and everything are, are not there or if they are they're you know they're, they're completely different um and but every once in a while in eso you will see something that is mostly unchanged uh, you know and and i suppose at the end of the day i'm i'm okay with it uh it's not incredibly lore friendly as you know as we've been saying but at the same time it also does have that really nice nostalgia feel. Just don't get carried away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I tend to agree. <clears throat> like I said, and I, I stand I stand by this. Uh, if I were if I were developing this, I would have made the exact same design decision. I would have said, let's put say, let's literally lift Satanine out of Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind and put it right in in this expansion. I would have done the exact same thing. Um, however, I think the decision is an all or nothing thing. Um, you either do that or you don't put Seda Nain as a, as a city at all in, in the, in the expansion and just say, sorry guys, 700 years ago when Elder Scrolls Online takes place, Seda Nain wasn't built yet as you know, and you can kind of see why, because it's such a tiny little place in, um, in Morrowind that, it just wasn't there 700 years ago. Um, you know, and, and so, so maybe, uh, so, so I kind of think it's an all or nothing sort of a thing. Um, I definitely agree with the design decision. I would have made the exact same one. However, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with it without recognizing the, the obvious flaws to it too, which is, you know, if you really think hard about it, it might seem a little silly. That being said, you know, Mike, when it comes to how they've handled Vivek city, spot on yeah spot on this is this is fantastic like i love i love what they did here yeah i mean you know it's a stone edifice that is a memorial to the living god vivek and so you're gonna build it to last and the fact that we have three functional cantons and you know the the temple district and his temple and then the rest of them are all under construction makes so much sense yeah for the time period, because it's going to be a couple hundred years before the city is fully complete. Without a now, doubt, Barwin, I, you know, I didn't see on the stream or not, but uh, did you did you look up so you could capture the Ministry of Truth? Uh, so everybody could see it there. 
ministry? What, where would that be? So the, the giant rock that is pummeling down at us. Oh. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes, thanks for bringing us back to that horribly awkward <laughs> moment in the show. Oh, wait. Here, here, here you go, Avar, when you have to come to, to this statue where I believe this is Vivek and, Muth- and uh, Muthra, and he's killing something with it. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> we can't we can't miss that now, can we? <laughs> uh, where are you? Let's, uh, uh, Temple let's District. Okay, I see you. All right, it's gonna take me a little bit to to get over there. Let me get on my horse. Which... And this is the one thing that anybody who has spent any time in Morrowind in Vivek will understand that you can't get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. About that. Oh, there's a bridge over there. Oh, I'm on the wrong level. Can't go that way. Can't go that way. Gotta turn nope, around. can't jump off of that because I'll end up in the water. Can't get there. Okay, I'm going the wrong way. Let me turn around. All right, well, while I make my way over, um, I just want to, uh, I want to, I guess, move on from, from this discussion. And because uh, I, th- I, I don't I think if we go any further, kind of be beating a dead horse. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. With, you know, overall mixing enough nostalgia in and giving us great um, changes for what we would expect 700 years from the time of Morrowind. It's just that one little, you know, tacking that I sat on, you know, would say mean that just. Yeah. Uh, I'm still not over Anvil. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think that's that's exactly what it comes down to. Okay. Um all right. So so let's uh, let's turn our attention over to Zephan, who's uh who's going to talk to us about our crafting table add-on for for this week. Yes, today we um, are introducing the add-on combat metrics. Um, Combat Metrics is a very good add-on for Elder Scrolls Online, and it was created by Decay2. Um, Now, Decay2 writes a description which states, Please note that the add-on is still in beta, so don't expect everything to be perfect, although I can tell you guys from personal experience, it runs very, very nice. Um, He goes on to say, I made Combat Metrics basically for two reasons. First, to have a tool to analyze my fights in a useful and comfortable manner. The second was to provide more insightful and meaningful damage parses. Combat Metrics is an add-on to track your fights. You can use it to measure your DPS. You can analyze which skills make your DPS or who caused your incoming damage. You can also analyze the heals you received or cast. You can check which buffs and debuffs were running how much magic or stamina per second you used and regenerated. You can analyze the combat log filter to analyze specific issues. Um, Combat metrics basically just records your fight during combat and analyzes it after you're out of combat. That way I hope to keep the impact on the FPS as low as possible. Since it saves the data of the whole fight, you might hit the Lua memory limit, especially when a lot of heavy fights are happening in a row. Uh, such as Cyrodiil, uh, which is a can, uh, candidate. The main report window can be toggled by assigning a key to it or by typing slash CMX into the chat box. You can also assign keys to post the damage per second or healing per second of your most recent fight to the chat. 
Alternatively, you can use slash CMX DPS or slash CPS, uh, CMX SDPS or uh, slash CMX MDPS, um, so on and so forth, to look for a single target, multi target, or single target plus multi target DPS, respectively. Um, you can also do slash CMX HPS to post your healing per second. So you have a lot of options with that. Um, of our own, I don't know if you ended up getting that all set up so you could uh, actually pop up your combat metrics yeah, on screen. Yeah, I did. Okay, wonderful. There it is. Um, got the mini screen up. So, you know, combat metrics is a very, very good add-on if you really want to see all the details in your fight and, uh, and, and what's going on. You know, how are each of your abilities doing in combat? Maybe one ability isn't quite doing the... DPS you were hoping it was going to do. So maybe swap it out, change things around, see how much DPS you know, you're know you going to do by swapping out a different ability. It's a lot easier than looking at a whole build. Um, it, I should say it's, it's easier looking at individual skills for your build rather than looking at a whole build and then not sure where to swap things out to increase that. It's also really good because it shows you the percentage of your uptime on uh, all of your different buffs. So that way, you know, like, oh, my uptime on this was only, you know, 85%. I clearly wasn't paying attention to that. I need to maybe change my rotation around or, you know, focus on that a little bit closely so I can get my uh, uptime as close to 100% as possible. The, this um, this add-on is is very very useful uh, combat metrics. <clears throat> um, th now now full disclosure, okay. A, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Um, what I and I when it comes to combat metrics, okay. I literally just downloaded this uh, for the show. However, okay, what I'm looking at is very very powerful. I can I can tell you that based on what I'm looking at here. All right. This is this is the kind of information that you're going to be able to to take a look at and say this this is this is the reason why my DPS is not or my heal my HPS is not where I want it to be. I I didn't think that this skill did so little damage or or how can I use something else instead of this or or this skill does a lot of damage i didn't realize that um it's laid out very very well very easily and um if you if you look at it okay if you if you if you are the type of person who is concerned um i want to i want to push my dps in my way um i'm not necessarily interested in you know the the new meta I'm not necessarily interested in what everyone else is doing. I want to find my own path, something that works for me. Or maybe you just want to figure out, hey, what what am I happen what 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 am I actually doing out there? You know, am I actually um am I actually doing well for this this group? This is going right. to help you out tremendously. It's going well, to Well, yeah, give I mean, especially when you're looking at a tooltip of an ability. You might see a tooltip on ability that says, okay, well, this procs 5% of the time, but it does 10,000 damage. That's a lot of damage, you know? So, like, yeah, I want to definitely want to throw that on my bar, but then when you're using it and it's procking as, as it should and everything, but then you look at your combat metrics parses 
And all of a sudden now it's showing you that, oh, it's like, you know, number 11 um, highest DPS out of all the rest of my abilities. That's not very high. Like, it's really not doing that much DPS. It's, you know, maybe it's only contributing to, you know, 900 or 1,000 DPS. Um, is there something you can swap out on your bar that's going to do more? Because just the tooltip, even though it looks like it does a lot of damage, it might not equate to a lot of damage. Right. So it, it's something to look for on there. Yeah. Another nice thing, too, is you get uh, some people that will say, well, I'm doing this much DPS. Is that good enough? I don't know if this is good enough. And the nice thing about combat metrics is regardless of whether the rest of your party is using combat metrics or not, it will tell you the percentage of damage that you're contributing to the fight. So if you go into a four-man group, you have two DPSers, a healer and a tank, you know, as a standard group. And you're looking at your percentage and it shows, oh, I'm doing 50% of the damage. That, that means that, okay, you're doing pretty good. You're definitely holding your own. You're, you know, possibly even doing the most DPS out of the group. Um, you know, more than likely, actually. But, you know, if you look at your percentage, you're like, oh, I'm only doing 10% of the DPS. This other person I'm playing with is either just really, really good or, you know, maybe I need to work on my build and, and bring it up because, you know, right now I can easily see I'm getting carried. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that that all being said... I still, you know, go back to my original thing is mechanics. This game is very mechanics heavy and a dead DPSer is doing zero DPS. So it's more important to stay alive and continue on, you know, on fighting than it is when you die. When you die, you're obviously not doing any damage. Not only that, but whoever's healing you is at risk of dying themselves because they're standing prone while trying to res you. And they're also not doing any DPS throughout that time. So it's a huge hit when you're doing things like that. So it's more important to pay attention to the the fight and what's going on in the fight and where to stand and when to move than it is to make sure you're getting your perfect rotation down. Yeah, um, so I... practice your rotations, practice your builds outside of your group setting and, you know, practice on a practice dummy or on just random fights, you know, that... Uh, that aren't overly difficult to, you know, difficult. Once you get that kind of your rotation down to where you're not, you know, staring at your bar going, what do I hit next? Then you can take that into a group setting, see how it works out, and then see if maybe you have to change some more things and tweak it a little bit. But, you know, definitely pay attention to what's going on and learn the mechanics, especially in the, uh, the new trial like Halls of Fabrication. For anybody who's played it, it is very, very mechanics heavy. One of the things that I like about this add-on is is that it's it's really easy to understand. Um, it's a lot of numbers, but it, it, it's not just it's not just numbers. Okay, it's telling you here what abilities were used, and it also uses the icons that that are on the abilities as well. So so if you're kind of like me, where you're like you know oh I, I I you know I forget the name of the ability, I just know it's my one number, uh, you know my one button on on the hotbar. Um, you know, you're going to, if, when you look at this, you're going to say, oh yeah, I recognize that skill. Wow. It does that much percentage of my damage. Wow. I didn't know that. That's a new skill. Oh my goodness. Uh, I was, I was prioritizing this other one and this other skill actually does far less. Um, for example, I'm looking at my skills right now. 
Wall of Fire did uh, 30.5% of, of my, my DPS here, followed up by Heavy Attack and uh, Light Attack. And then Force Shock uh, did 6.8% of, of my DPS. I would have thought it was the other way around, to be honest with you. And that's not the case. So so now when I when I play this character again, I'm definitely going to be looking at Wall of Fire as as part of of something that I do um, more often than what I actually do. And um, that's a big that's a big thing. That's a big piece of knowledge to to be armed with. And that's just just taking a quick look at 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 the the report here. That's not doing a deep dive in the report, and it's probably the easiest thing to sort of see and, and extrapolate from the report is is that information right there, and probably the most important. For, the reason for we chose this one is a lot of people with Morrowind, th there was a lot of changes that came uh, with sustain and changes to your DPS, and a lot of people in our guild were like, well, "How do we know? How do we know? How can we get better?" You know, I I'm very frustrated with this, and you know, this is That's a, a real point. easy way. You download this add-on. Go out and fight a couple things and see where your DPS comes from. Uh, you know, there's training dummies in most of the houses now uh, that people have set up. Uh, myself, uh, Goat, and Danny all have different training dummies that you can go and hit. And you can get a report off of those using this uh, add-on. And, and really, you know, figure out, okay, what kind of changes can I make to help myself have more fun with this or be better at DPS or, you know, better at heals because with all the changes, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, able to do it, what I used to do. And, uh, there has been a hit to the DPS, uh, due to the, the changes in the sustain. Uh, but with, a, you know, a little bit of time and using, you know, these feedback from add-ons like this, uh, a number of our, uh, guild members are pulling, very similar to num very similar numbers to what they were pulling before the patch, uh, with changes to what morph they used or where their CP allocation went. And that's very important to know. All right. Uh, without information, how are you going to know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, yeah, combat metrics, guys. Yeah. And uh, and don't Check forget, folks. Just like Zephan says, you know, the most important thing in a fight is staying alive. You know, if you're if you're a casual like me. And, and you don't necessarily care what, what your DPS is, just as long as you're having fun, keep doing that, all right? Understand that when you go into a fight and um, staying alive, knowing the mechanics, is, is the number one way to increase your DPS, like Zephan says, okay? You can't increase your DPS. You don't do DPS if you're dead on the floor. So stay alive. If you happen to be interested, if you happen to ask yourself, hey, you know what? What am I actually doing? You know, like Zephan asks, you know, am I getting carried? Am I am I just a drag on my group? You know, can I can I do a little bit more to help my group along? Is that something is that possible? Like what can I do? I don't even know. Combat metrics is a great add-on and it'll definitely give you a hand. Alright. Uh so thank you very much, gentlemen, for presenting that. Um Mike, would you mind reading our first email, please, from Derek Foster? Okay. Get back to that screen. Uh, there we go. Okay. 
It was a stormy and dreary night on the foul shores of Cyrodiil. As I listened to the somber strings of the violin melody playing in my ears, I cast away over and over again. A dark anchor looms in the background, crippling the white gold tower, and a mud crab watches on for a chance at my spoils. Hmm. Finally, I hook the elusive sewer eel to complete my year-long angling endeavor to redeem the elusive die that Mike just conquered for himself. As I bask in the glory of the achievement, I toss the sewer eel to the mud crab. Here you go, my friend. I always love your show. Have an awesome week in Tamriel, Derek Foster. So congrats on Master Angler yourself. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to show uh, Derek's... Uh, let's see. Uh, I want to show his... his uh... There we go. The image that he sent us with the achievement of Master Fisher. Okay. You can see the... Uh, dark anchor in the back here and and over here is that uh <laughs> little uh mud crab he was talking about <laughs> so it's a cool uh that's a, a great cool story email. that's that's a hard achievement too that's a big congrats on that one yeah, yeah it was seven thousand five hundred fish for me to get it god that's crazy <laughs> yeah and the only reason i know is i have an add-on that when you hover over perfect row, it tells you how many perfect row you have and what percentage you got. And so I've got an 85 perfect row out of 7,525 fish that I've cleaned. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Zephin, uh, the, the next one, please from Ellis. Hey guys. Do you hey. think that an elder scroll six, they could, ha- they could have two storylines, lines much like they did with Skyrim, such as the Great War Two, and then also defeating an invasion from uh, Akavir. You guys always have a balanced take on everything, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Wow, uh, that comes from Ellis. Ellis, thank you very much for the compliment. There, you guys always have a balanced take on everything. No, I don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, <laughs> Zephan? Two minds on that. <laughs> so, I, Zeph- you know, I I think that I I would enjoy that. I, I I prefer it. I like it that way, where you you have a choice to go in there, and that choice actually has an effect on your storyline. I I like that because I I like the idea that my actions in game affect how the world is the the other thing is i also like it for replayability because i want to see well what's it going to be like if i take this route instead of the other route yeah i agree i i think that's um that's something that that lots of people look forward to i I think if you build your game these days with without that uh without 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 choice and and um like various options uh, toward for the end of a uh, of a quest line, I think people are going to notice that, and, and they're not going to really cling on to to it. You know, they people when they do a quest line, they want to they want to feel like I made a choice, and it if the quest line ended in a different way than it could have if I made the other choice. Um, and I, I think that's especially when we're talking about a, a big 
quest line. I think that's uh, always something that people look for in games now. And I think especially with the way you know the the, the question was asked, there's two major storylines, and we're not talking like Dragonborn and Civil War. We're talking that you know, do you fight with the Imperial invasion with you know the the fine the a war between the Almeri Dominion and uh, the Empire, or do you deal with an invading Akaviri fleet, uh, which could really you know change the whole course of it? I mean, do you make peace with the uh, the Dominion so that you save Tamriel, or do you you know try and make peace with the Akaviris and possibly get them on your side to defeat the Dominion? Oh yeah, I, well I think for it to have a, a big enough impact. And to really place. appreciate it, I think it would have to be uh, a large, you know, overarching story because otherwise I'm just going to, you know, save my game, pick one choice and then revert my save and then pick the other choice and see what happens with both outcomes. You know, it has to be like a, a big, long, you know, quest line to where I'm going to play through it. And then if I wanted to see how it's going to play out, if I fight for the other side or if I, you know go a completely different route and like well, okay well i'll do that on my next playthrough yeah yeah i'd agree to that uh all right this next uh this next email comes from rosewind who says hello classic crew as it is well known in the classic elder scrolls series the discussion of but skyrim has no classes makes its rounds especially in ones featuring classes such as the crusader nightblade and their ilk I, for one, was no longer able to deal with Skyrim's inability to make a locked-in, free-form class like the old ways. In vanilla Skyrim, skill trees generally took the place of the old systems. But due to low number of stars in each tree, a playthrough to 50 or 81, that's level 50 or level 81, would require you to bleed into other things to go legendary or go legendary on that skill. I don't know about you guys, but resetting skills late in the game just doesn't jive well with me. Whereas feeling of where where is the feeling of this is my class and goal setting? The solution for Skyrim in particular, I think, is as follows: having more perks creates more choice and limits the jack of all trades boredom. There is more specialization in longer branches. And the understanding that you must choose wisely or spread yourself thin. Ordinator Perks of Skyrim by Enai Sion does just that. After much playtesting, I can assure you that it stays true to the original perks while exploring them further, as well as giving new life to stale trees like speech, pickpocket, and lockpicking. This particular author is also responsible for Apocalypse Spells and, and a large suite of other mods that integrate, well with, that integrate well with this and just about anything else you may, you may play with. My experience? Making my own classes that felt true to Oblivion slash Marwind became a reality. I make a large list of six skill only classes and ran with it. Every class truly stood alone. Want to specialize 11 points into fire magic and crusader as a crusader? Yeah, you can. You want, you want to do anti-paladin damage with restoration? You can. 
Do you want to make a mage that can gain unique strengths from strictly only robes and staves? You can. Just throwing this into a vanilla game with no other mods is non-intrusive as can be. In no way have I felt any of these changes were abusive. I highly recommend this to anyone. How do you, the hosts, feel about this concept? Thanks for your time. Mithralesque Rosewind. So, so um, Rosewind here is talking about Ordinator Perks of Skyrim by Inay Sion. That's uh, E-N-A-I Sion. S-I-A-I-O-N. Just uh, for you guys out there. Uh, big question to sort of end the show with. Um, I'll hold my thoughts to the end, but uh, let's uh, let's get uh, let's get let's get Mike's first. So I like the idea of extended trees that he was talking about, where the more you put into it, the further you go. And it's I always find it very funny when you see it in the comics. Like, you know, the person starts out, I'm going to be a, a sneak thief. And at the end of the comic strip, they're always in heavy armor, wielding a uh, two-handed heavy uh, great sword. You know, and they're, you know, the, the master thief. And so I think any type of thing that you can do with Skyrim where it kind of pushes you down a pathway without having to make those changes like, oh, I've run out of ways to level up. So now I have to do two-handed or I have to do heavy armor or I have to do destruction magic always gives you a better experience in your game. The first time I did it, I did the, you know, everything's got to get to max level. And I found that to be very boring to com to be a completionist on my second, third, fourth, fifth playthrough. So, yeah, that's a, a great way of doing it where you have these extended trees. What do you think, Zephan? Well, you know, I want to send a big thank you to Methril on this. I, you know, I, I, for one, I think the, the biggest disappointment that I had in Skyrim was when they, when they released that legendary ability to reset your skills in that because I was so excited about being able to do that. I'm like, yes, I get to continue playing the same play style that I love playing and I can go on this. And then I, I went through and I did the legendary and then I found out that, well, now I can't hit any of the monsters. I can't do any damage to these monsters like because it felt like I was a level, you know, I think I was like level 45 or something at the time, like character. And I'm fighting level 45 monsters, but my skill level is back to one. And like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I just gimped myself, you know? Well, you did. Yeah, I absolutely. So I was like, well, that, that is just terrible. I mean, it was a good idea on paper, but then when I did it, I was like, this, this was the worst mistake. Uh, so I'm very thankful that Mithril threw this out, uh, Ordinator, Perks of Skyrim. It's definitely something I got to check out. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think making a skill legendary, going back to basically resetting it, um, works for, for certain trees. Probably never works for any of the trees that you sort of rely on in combat, because you're just going to die a lot faster now. Um, you know, your, your, uh, your weapon skills, your, um... Uh, your your magic skills, uh, anything that you need in combat, I, I think is a really bad idea. You know, maybe lock picking, maybe that's a little bit different. Maybe sneaking, maybe that's a little bit different. Um, if you can sort of you know put up with the frustration, but um, 
it's frustration with those trees versus just completely uh, breaking your character <laughs> with the uh, attack skills and survival uh, skills that you need for survivability. So, um, yeah. Um, Which I think is that's what you're going to want anyway, because if you're playing a, you know, sword and board, you know, kind of tank character, who cares if you reset your, you know, your uh, um, thieving skill line? Right. You know, it, it's really not helping you out. No. And and if you're a heavy armored, you know, sword and shield kind of a character, how high is you? You're not. You're not maxing out your, uh, your 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 sneak skill anyway. It's not at a hundred, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're just yeah. It's really not helping you. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, I agree. I, I've always said that I want to see in Elder Scrolls Six. I want to see the idea of classes come back. Um, not that I don't want to see what Skyrim brought to to classes in in Elder Scrolls go away. I just want to see the the class templates come back. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's fun to say, like, oh, I, I can do whatever I want, just like in Skyrim, or I can choose a list of, of all of these classes here that the game recommends. Because I just want to build my character real quick. You know, I, I think that's it's fun to do. Um, and it's it's just so Elder Scrolls, you know? It really is. Well, guys, uh, I think we had a fantastic show. Uh, that is that is the end of our show for the evening. Um, big thanks to everyone in the chat room, uh, to all of you who uh, are watching our video today uh, or downloading and listening to our podcast. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you guys for for, uh, for for visiting our sponsors, TweakedAudio.com, Audible as well. And uh, for those of you out there who are uh, going out there and purchasing uh, QGN Con tickets, I can't wait to see and meet all of you uh, when it comes uh, when it comes around in in October. Uh, again, you can buy those on QuestGamingNetwork.com. All right, final thoughts, starting with Mike. Train. <laughs> starting with <laughs> Zephyr. <laughs> there was a war horn <laughs> no the war horn's already gone by that's the first part of it uh. um, yeah so anybody who's never played in TeamSpeak with us uh, the train goes by and I don't always mute when the train goes by <laughs> uh, and so you know when it blows the horn you know there's a skill called war horn and somebody called out for a war horn to be blown one time and the train blasted and uh Everybody fell down laughing. They could, you know, we we all died. Wiped the group that day. Um, <laughs> but it was the most epic war horn we got, ever. Uh, yes. <laughs> we got we got uh, two minutes left on the video, guys. Okay, so I had a great time. Uh, it was uh, a little interesting reading some of those books, and hopefully it piqued your interest. Uh, I'm sure if Arwen will never ever pick up those books to read because oh, no, he'll be no. too embarrassed. <laughs> oh no, you did you did great, Mike, and uh, you know I, I appreciate it. Um, Zephyr, final thoughts. Morrowind, fantastic. Love it. Get it. Play through it. I got to check out the quest, though. I really got to get on that. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Zephyr and I are doing late, late night Elder Scrolls in uh, just about three hours. So uh, hopefully we'll see you guys there. Uh, if you can't make it, that's understandable because it is 2.30 in the morning Eastern time. Um, that video will be available on YouTube. Uh, by tomorrow morning, so so late night Elder late late night Elder Scrolls and 
classic Elder Scrolls episode 70 is uh, is going to be available for you right now. As you're listening to this, you'll be able to check that out. All right, folks, as always, thank you very much. Take care, be safe, and may that foose be with you. Oh, God!